On January 6, 2021, the United States was in a state of shock when thousands of pro-Trump supporters met at Washington, D.C. to quote-unquote stop the steal, a narrative that has been pushed by President Donald J. Trump, claiming that the election was stolen from him and that his victory was a landslide. At 2.11 p.m. in front of national television, the United States would witness the viciousness of the conspiratorial right as hundreds of rioters would storm into Capitol Hill in an attempt to prevent the certification of Joe Biden as our new president. An infiltration of Capitol Hill that has not been seen since 1812 when the British attacked the US Capitol. On this day, five people lost their lives. Among those, 35-year-old Air Force veteran and QAnon enthusiast Ashley Abbott and Capitol Hill police officer Brian Sicknick. And as Americans, and most specifically Democrats, watched in horror, many people are asking questions about how and why. I am your social chemist Nelson, and today we're looking into the conspiratorial state of America. If you're listening on Spotify, click on that follow button. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, click on that subscribe button for me and leave me a five-star review. By doing so, you hope expose this podcast to people who might be interested in conspiracy theories within politics. You can follow me on Facebook and on Instagram at The Social Chemist. For this episode, I will include all the articles on the Facebook page so you can read them and fact check me if you want. Also share this podcast with your friends to have some interesting discussions about today's episode. One more thing, shout out to the person who's listening to me from France and those who are listening to me in the state of Georgia, Arizona, and Colorado. I don't know how you guys have found me, but I'm glad I'm providing some background noise for you people. So thank you so much. I make these episodes with you in mind. With that being said, let's dive in. So one of the things I wanted to do during my podcast was use real-life events to apply some of the theories that we've spoken about in previous episodes. If you guys recall my second episode titled Conspiracy Theories and Their Perpetrators, we discussed the three elements of a conspiracy theory. The existential threat, the understanding of the threat, and the antagonistic outgroup. On that same episode, we also talked about the different types of perpetrators. We named five different types of antagonist outgroups. Based on the events that occurred on January 6, 2021, we're going to look at two of the five perpetrators because it will tell us a little bit about what was going through the process of these domestic terrorists. So what led people to do an attempt insurrection on Capitol Hill? If you ask me, there are two entities responsible for what occurred, Donald Trump and QAnon. Let's start with Trump first. Before Election Day came in 2020, Donald Trump was spewing conspiracy theories about how the election was going to be rigged, saying mail-in ballots were susceptible to fraud. And when the election was finally called, he started to claim, as well as other right-wing political pundits and podcasters, that many of the votes were illegal because many of these votes were from dead people and that many votes were marked as invalid. Claims, however, that have been debunked, yet still, as of this recording, are being shared on social media websites like Facebook. As January 6th got closer, Trump then added pressure on Vice President Mike Pence to change the outcome of the election, a move that Pence knew was not doable. And in reality, when you think about it, Mike Pence was a symbolic figure that day, the day Capitol Hill was attacked. 
In the mind of the conspiratorial right, Mike Pence was supposed to not acknowledge the certification of President Joe Biden. But Pence's presence was more ceremonial than political. Which is honestly why I didn't take January 6th seriously, because I thought this was evident to everyone, even the average conspiracy theorist. But I was wrong. When it comes to QAnon, this was the heart and soul of the insurrection. This is what they've been waiting for. This is what they've been shouting since Pizzagate. For those of you who are unaware of QAnon, it is basically a right-wing extreme ideology that claims that the democratic establishment and Hollywood are running a satanic, pedophilic, cannibalistic, child sex trafficking ring, and that the only person that can stop such atrocity is Donald Trump, but that he was going to do it when the time was right. Also note that he has to be low-key about it, tweeting encrypted messages that only his followers are able to decipher. Because, you know, unless you're a QAnon supporter, you're not woke, you're not conscious, your third eye isn't open, you're not ascended. For many people in the crowd that day, they were experiencing the storm. Finally, for them, the prophecy of Q was coming to life. And they were going to save America from the wickedness of the left, or so they thought. In my first episode, I mentioned about the two types of conspiracy theorists, the partisan and the ideologue conspiracy theorist. Recall that the partisan conspiracy theorist will believe in a conspiracy if the antagonist happens to be a member of the opposite political party. And this was evident on the day Capitol Hill was attacked because Donald Trump, being our Republican president, had built the narrative for his base that the election was stolen from him by the Democrats. So in this instance, the main antagonist of this conspiracy theory was the Democratic establishment. But was every person who attended the riot a partisan conspiracy theorist? Let's look into the case of 49-year-old Christina Priola, a Cleveland school therapist who attended the riots because of her concern about human trafficking and pedophilia. This is according to the Associate Press News. Based on what I've read about her, I was unable to find her political affiliation. However, according to an article from The Hill, she was an anti-vaxxer. So why am I bringing this up? Because her concerns weren't really about the results of the election. She was concerned about the QAnon conspiracy theory. That again, claims that inside the Democratic establishment and Hollywood, that members were running a pedophilic sex trafficking ring. This is evident due to the fact that you can find pictures of her holding a sign reading, The Children Cry Out for Justice. Her presence at the riots was not political. It was ideological, hence labeling her as an ideologue conspiracy theorist. Now you're probably asking, but Nelson, QAnon is a right-wing conspiracy theory, is it not? So wouldn't that make QAnon and anyone who supports the thought process a partisan conspiracy theorist? Especially since the villain of the movement involves Joe Biden. Yes and no. While it is true that the antagonist happens to be the Democratic establishment or Joe Biden in this instance, it's not the biggest existential threat. The difference between the partisan and the ideologue conspiracy theorist comes down to the emphasis of the existential threat. For the partisan conspiracy theorist, the existential threat is the loss of political influence. Now, this only affects you if you're a Republican, because, of course, Donald Trump lost, and this is a political threat. However, for the ideologue conspiracy theorist, the existential threat is pedophilia, human trafficking of children, and satanic cannibalistic rituals. Now, that's an existential threat, regardless if you're a Democrat or a Republican. So notice how the existential threat for a partisan conspiracy theorist is based on the person's political identity, while the existential threat is dangerous to everyone, regardless of the political affiliation, 
That is the difference between the partisan and ideologue conspiracy theorist. Now before we move on to the understanding of the threat, I want to correct myself because on my first episode, I ended the podcast explaining that the partisan and ideologue conspiracy theorists were two separate entities. And as I've done more research on the conspiratorial mindset and spoken to conspiracy-minded individuals, I've come to see that the partisan and ideologue mentality are not separate, but more of a spectrum of conspiratorial ideologies. So now that we've covered the type of conspiracy theorists and the existential threat, we now turn our attention to the understanding of the threat. Now, prior to the 2020 election, Republicans were already calling victory for Donald Trump and even went as far to explain how, if you were to lose, why it would occur, from the election fraud excuse to the deep state conspiracy theory. And so for the average pro-Trump supporter, they had already understood why the threat was occurring. But remember, the understanding of the threat for a conspiracy theorist in most instances is not an understanding of the threat, but a rejection of the official story. Let's go back and use the 5G tower example from the second episode. The existential threat is the coronavirus, which is a real threat. The understanding of the threat for a conspiracy theorist would be that the 5G tower is radiating the coronavirus into our bodies. Now, obviously, we know that this isn't true. But for a conspiracy theorist, this is their understanding of the pandemic because it goes against the official story. The same thought process is true for the pro-Trump supporters whose existential threat is the loss of political power. And so their understanding of the threat isn't that Donald Trump is a horrible president that has exacerbated racial tensions, unemployment, and the mortality rate of Hispanics and African Americans. That's an all-time high. To the pro-Trump supporter, the reason why they lost is because the deep state rigged the election to sell America to China and spread communism into the United States. Other than the rejection of the official story, why else do pro-Trump supporters prefer this explanation than the official one? Intentionality. An element of the conspiratorial mindset is finding purpose for social and political events. Let's look at the Sandy Hook shooting that occurred in 2012. After the tragic deaths of 26 people, most of whom were children, the debate on gun control started. And while people went back and forth about the proper solution to mitigate gun violence, a minority of people began to question the authenticity of the discussion. And some went as far to even question the deaths of the 26 people at Sandy Hook Elementary School. For people who found themselves in this group, they began to question the intentions behind gun control. Were politicians having this discussion to reduce the number of deaths of children? Or was this a false flag operation to disarm its citizens? and lock people into FEMA camps so that Barack Obama would implement the New World Order. This same thought process is seen with the pro-Trump supporter. Did Donald Trump lose because of his incompetency as president, or did the deep state sell itself to China? We now move into the final element of the existential threat model, which is the antagonist of the conspiracy theory. Interestingly enough, as I read articles about what occurred at Capitol Hill, I began to realize that there were actually three antagonists during the siege. So let's talk about the most obvious one, that one being the enemy above. Like any classic conspiracy theory, the enemy above has always been the most hated antagonist of them all. In this instance, Joe Biden is the enemy above, due to his political status, now as our new president. The second type of antagonist was the enemy within, and this didn't take long to develop. 
Recall that the enemy within is the antagonist that cannot be differentiated among members of our society. This was obvious when U.S. Representative Matt Gates accused Antifa of infiltrating the pro-Trump rally and instigating the attacks on Capitol Hill. For him and many Republican supporters, the rally could not have been caused by patriotic Trump supporters, but instead by the radical left. Now, other than the one guy who got incarcerated and did identify as a Democrat, no evidence has been found to support the notion that Antifa had infiltrated the rioters. The third antagonist falls into the same category as the enemy within. However, this time, the antagonists are Republican politicians. Days after the attack on Capitol Hill, many Democratic congressmen had come to question the preparation of the Capitol Hill police prior to January 6. Others like House Majority Whip James Clyburn from South Carolina had become suspicious on how unmarked offices of certain politicians were easily found and invaded. A number of Democrats have also began questioning the tours given at Capitol Hill days prior to the invasion in an attempt to explain the chaos that had occurred. Now, what I found interesting about these accusations that Republican politicians had planned an inside job to attack Capitol Hill is that if anyone were to subscribe to this belief, it would contradict the narrative of the double standard between white and black America. If it's true that a conspiracy had occurred among Republicans, then the riots at Capitol Hill had nothing to do with how cops perceived white protesters compared to how they viewed black protesters, but everything to do with a legitimate conspiracy. But if you were to ask me personally, I would say that what occurred at Washington, D.C. had more to do with how white protesters are perceived than a conspiracy theory that Republican politicians overwhelmingly assisted with the invasion of Capitol Hill. Let's look at the evidence. According to The Hill, on December 30th, Representative Federica Wilson from Florida spoke on the phone with a Capitol Police captain warning that the online and social media chatters were becoming more aggressive and violent, and that she feared that Trump supporters would storm the Capitol and kill half of Congress. We now know that on the days leading to the attack on Capitol Hill, that the FBI were given plenty of information about what was planned, but for some odd reason, didn't take the threats as serious as many politicians did. I lean more into this explanation for the cause of the riots, because it is evident that there is a difference between how federal agencies perceive black America than how they view white America. Let's be honest, if it were a Black Lives Matter riot, would they have even reached the front entrance of Capitol Hill? Now, I could be completely wrong, and a legitimate conspiracy could have occurred, but remember, if that's the case, then the double standard narrative becomes invalid. So now we've covered the types of conspiracy theorists, the existential threat, the understanding of the threat, and the antagonist. But there's a few more things to cover. To understand the complexity of a conspiracy theory, let's look at the last two examples of the enemy within. What else do they have in common? The speed of the conspiratorial explanation. One of the things you'll notice about a conspiracy theorist is that they somehow know everything there is to know about a specific topic, and they know more than the experts themselves. Let's use the 5G conspiracy theory example. When the pandemic was announced in mid-March of 2020, scientists around the world were working 24-7 to understand the causes and effects of COVID-19. People including virologists and biochemists. 
people who had been trained in their specific field. And even with the millions of scientists working nonstop, an explanation would take months for scientists to figure out about what was going on and how to fight against the virus. However, if you identified as a conspiracy theorist, you already knew all the answers from your years of knowledge at Facebook University. To the conspiracy theorist, the cause of COVID-19 was the 5G towers that were suppressing our immune system for population control. Now, compared to the actual scientists who took months to come up with their conclusion, a conspiracy theorist only needs 30 minutes to connect the dots. The same thing is seen with both the Antifa and the inside job conspiracy theory that has been promoted by Democrats. The Antifa conspiracy theory began to develop while the pro-Trump terrorists were inside the Capitol. Before it could even be confirmed, the narrative of left-wing extremists infiltrating pro-Trump protesters was being used to explain what was occurring. To the average pro-Trump supporter, what was important wasn't the validity of the claim, but more that there was a way to explain what had occurred. Same with the Capitol Hill inside job conspiracy theory. While an investigation is taking place, it didn't take long for Democratic politicians to point the fingers at their Republican colleagues and connect the tours given by Republicans to the reason why rioters were able to find offices of Democratic politicians and wreak havoc. So to put it more simply, for the conspiracy theorists, an explanation is more important than the accuracy. Now before I conclude this episode, there's one more thing we need to discuss about the conspiracy theorists, and that's the radicalization of the conspiratorial mindset. In this episode, we've discussed the different elements of a conspiracy theorist, but the radicalization of the conspiracy theorist is what differentiates between those who refuse to get vaccinated because they fear the side effects of the vaccine and those willing to crash a train into a Navy hospital ship because they want to bring awareness about the true intentions of the U.S. government regarding COVID-19, as 44-year-old Eduardo Moreno claimed. What the U.S. witnessed on January 6th 2021 was the radicalization of the conspiratorial state of America. Political scientist Joseph Uzinski states that we are not living in the golden age of conspiracy theorists, but I would have to disagree with him. The conspiracy theorists are no longer the lowest members of our society. There are teachers, mental health professionals, even our brave U.S. soldiers willing to die or kill for a cause. The conspiratorial mindset is a cognitive cancer that is spreading all over America and the solution to react to conspiracy theorists rather than to prevent it is not working. Banning Trump from Twitter and removing the parlor app are only a bandage and will hardly mitigate the social consequences of these ideologies. The sad reality is that reality is no longer objective but subjective. Facts have been demoted and people's personal convictions are greeted with praise. There is this idea that once Donald Trump leaves office, that the conspiracy theorists will be set to rest. But the fact is that these individuals are not going anywhere. They will find another platform to congregate, and they will enclose themselves in this rabbit hole. And if people like you and me and scientists don't address the conspiratorial mindset, what America experienced on Capitol Hill will be as common as school shootings in our public school system. Thank you for listening to today's episode. And remember, question everything with logic.